Good evening, everybody. This is Jay Black's Daily Diary, a podcast I do each and every day until I get tired of doing it. Driving home from a gig in nine-degree weather. Uh, Real feel, which is, I guess, what they call wind chill now. They call it real feel, which kind of, you know, kind of takes a good thing, like really feeling something and turning it into a bad thing. But I guess I've been doing that my entire life, so who am I to complain? Uh, Real feel is negative nine degrees, which I know is making people in the Midwest uh, laugh as they are dealing with, uh, conservatively speaking, uh, four Kelvin. Um, Driving back from a gig, and today I had uh, hecklers at my gig. Now, they weren't the kind of heckler where they say, you suck, I don't like you. They were the kind of heckler where they were drunk, and they were, I think, also high because they were, you know, talking a lot about drugs. You know, but sometimes people do that just to be cool. So, I don't know. Felt like there was probably something else mixed in there along with the alcohol, but I, I can't be certain. I know booze was there. Uh, and there's a particular type of heckler. If you're a comic, you'll know this. If you're an audience member, you might not. Uh, where they will try to help in their brain... They are part of the show, and and you guys are equal partners in creating entertainment for everyone. It's kind of like uh, the pigeon in a in a magic act, feeling like you know, hey, buddy, we're partners here, we work together. Whereas really, they just should just you know be quiet and be stuffed into a box. And uh, the problem with a drunk heckler is they're not necessarily doing anything bad in their mind. And, you know, up until a certain point, they're not doing anything bad to the people around them. The people around them just see them as, you know, funny. And and they like them almost because the comedian is making jokes out of the crazy, stupid shit they're saying. Uh, now, audience will turn once the, uh, the drunk gets too bad. You know, once he's, like, involved too much in the show, which is generally what happens in the last couple of minutes because that's when the high intensity of the booze begins to sink in. Uh, but the, uh, the, the view from the comic is, I don't want to slam this guy too hard. You know, he, he's being very joyful in his own mind, and you don't want to say to him, hey, fuck wit, get the fuck out of here, I fucking hate you. That's what you feel, though. And, you know, unless you're my buddy Steve Hofstetter, who sort of thrives on hecklers, the majority of us can deal with hecklers, but we don't like them because you got to understand, you know, stand up is as close to poetry that people actually enjoy as you can get in the sense that if you think of a poem as a perfect little wind up toy of, uh, you know, timing and precision where you're going to try to uh, spring a trap on someone emotionally. You're trying to get them to, you know, follow you down a path, and then you take a left turn. You know, you you get to the Volta in a Shakespeare sonnet, and you're like, oh, well, maybe you shouldn't compare, compare me to a summer's day. And that's how you create emotional impact. The same is true with stand-up. You, you have this, like, little perfect jewelry box of a joke, and if you tell it enough... And, you know, if you see my act, you know, I tell a lot of jokes a lot of times. You uh, you get a sense of exactly when to spring it 
for maximum impact. So just as you're about to, to spring your little, you know, perfect jewel box of joke, jewel box, music box, music box makes a lot more sense. Just as you're about to open this little music box, your, your, uh, your, uh, audience jumps in with, Hey, boobs, or, uh, look, look, look at, look at me. Hey man, you're funny or whatever the stupid shit they say is. So they say it and now I got to stop and address it or I got to talk over them, in which case uh, I have to, uh, you know, ignore the fact that the people around them just missed my punchline. Then I lose in this, in tonight's case, a third of the audience. Now, when I was back on uh, Adderall, you know, uh, it was kind of easier to ignore them because I was just sort of like in my own head anyway. And like Adderall is a weird thing because like whatever you latch on to, that's what you're going to fucking latch on to. So when I was on Adderall on stage, uh, one of two things would happen. The, the heckler would say something to me and my attention would instantly turn immediately towards them and I would not be able to let go until that person was so humiliated or so upset that they walked out or shut up for the rest of the night. And I'll be honest, I lost a lot of crowds doing that because, you know, somebody goes, boobs, and my response is to turn around and and obliterate them. Not even in a fun way, just in a complete and utter drug and alcohol fueled fuck you. Cause when I say Adderall, I wasn't on like a normal dose. I was on an addict's dose. You know, I was on a hundred milligrams, baby. So I was like seeing through the annals of time. I was, I had, I had laser vision. So I would either focus on them or I would continue plowing through my act. Um, like a prostitute, well, that plowing doesn't work there. Plowing through my act like I was a male prostitute uh, uh, banging away at some dude's butthole, um, even though I wasn't really into it. Presumably, there are uh, gay prostitutes who are uh, very committed to their job and providing the best experience possible. Uh, whereas, um, you know, in this scenario, I'm a gay prostitute who's only in it for the money and can't really focus on anything except himself. So he's not very good at sex. All right. So my stand up is like an uninvolved gay prostitute. Is that, is that making sense? Well, let's just say an uninvolved prostitute to begin with. The only reason I made the prostitute gay is so that, you know, because of plowing. You know, if this podcast was more popular, it would it would be unpopular. Uh, so, uh, you know, the Adderall made it easy because, you know, my attention was basically focused on whatever the Adderall had me focus it on. And I, I was sort of uninvolved with anything else. A heckler would say something, I would register it. And if I didn't latch onto it, I'd just be like, I don't give a shit. I'm just talking, pal. I have no connection with anybody in this room. I am a uh, non-empathetic creature of infinite narcissism and also uh, uh, methamphetamine salts, right? Which was a tough AOL screen name back in the day. But now I'm not on Adderall. I'm not on any kind of stimulant whatsoever. I'm not even on booze. I'm on uh, Wellbutrin and also push-ups. <laughs> because, uh, you know, you got to fill it in with something. So why not? Uh, uh, what are the things when you get happy when you work out? I just had it in my brain and I lost it. It starts with the endorphins. 
I'm addicted to the endorphins. And apparently, I'm allowed to be addicted to endorphins. So, hey, bully for me. Uh, oh, hang on. You know what? I will come back and finish this thought in a moment. My children are texting me, and it's 9.48 at night, and that makes me nervous. Be back in just a moment. All right, I'm back, everybody. And I forgot to hit, like, name the first segment. I hope that means it doesn't not save, because I'd hate to have to re-record all this. Uh, my kids just assumed I'd be home earlier than I would be. My wife is asleep, so the kids texted me, like, uh, hey, what's going on? We want to go to bed. And, uh, you know, they get a little scared. So I had to um, comfort them. And if you're saying to yourself, Jay, you know, your voice and or demeanor does not provide any comfort for me. uh, Well, you'd be right. But you're an adult and you understand that sort of stuff. Kids are dumb. Let's not uh, let's not disabuse them of this notion uh, anytime soon because I need to be able to comfort them. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, I'm not on any kind of drug. So uh, I have run into the same problem that I, I had before I did Adderall at an increased dosage level, which is uh, I don't have the ability now to drown it out. So I'm in that same in-between phase I always used to be. Somebody yells something out. I have to make a split decision in my mind the best way to handle it, and it, and it gums me up. So... It's it's a little more frustrating, believe it or not, sober than it is uh, drunken and uh, rolling <laughs> on 100 milligrams of Adderall. So uh, I was a little frustrated with that group. Now, that being said, my improvs were delightful. I was very happy with what my brain come up came up with. That's the best part about an improv is it's the only time you get to be impressed with yourself because you're not really thinking they say something and then you just let your brain answer. And then the part of your brain that, you know, your frontal lobe that sort of sits as a homunculus and watches everything goes, hey, not bad. Good job, Jay Black. And I, I you know, so uh, I'm now telling it to you. So it seems uh, very egotistical. It's not. It's just that when you, when you do an improv, ideally, you're in the moment as best you can and you're not thinking of anything. Uh, you're just sort of letting your experience and your natural demeanor out uh, as opposed to a written joke. And to be able to get laughs on that is is pretty good. We got into this whole thing where they said that uh, one township didn't want another township in it. And the name of the township was Wall because it's New Jersey. So I made some dumb Trump joke. Everybody laughed. It was very funny. You had to be there. <laughs> That's the worst thing a comic could say. Well, I guess you had to be there, huh? All right. So I just wanted to finish that. I don't know if it was worth coming back to finish all that, but I did, and now we're done, and I will be back tomorrow unless I get tired of doing this. Bye, everybody.